the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. For it is by grace you have been saved through faith, and that not of yourselves, a gift of God, lest any man should boast, says Paul in Ephesians. I'm thinking he's looking back on his own writings in Romans chapter 4 to pen those words, as we'll see today. Here in chapter 4 of Romans, the Apostle Paul gives us a marvelous example of faith and righteousness that is credited to us. The Apostle Paul leaves us with the example of Abraham, how he was credited as righteous, and then, by faith, was circumcised. Well, today we continue our look at chapter 4, verses 13 through 18 today, heirs by faith in the promise. Here's Pastor Gary and today's Abounding Grace. Paul continues the same glorious truth that we are made righteous, not by our own works, but through the righteousness of faith when we flee to God's promise of mercy. Now he adds a few things in this section in verses 13 through 18 that have a special prominence, such as the idea of promise. Now, don't forget that. It is a remarkable thing, since you and I are sinners, that the holy God who needs nothing to make us even to make us even one promise, to make us even one promise is absolutely astounding. I mean, why would he bind himself to us? I'm such a vile sinner, and so are you if measured by ourselves. And for a holy God who needs absolutely nothing to come to us and say, I'm going to make you a promise? Beloved, that ought to be enough to set our tongues loose to praise God for a million years. Just one promise. But when we come here and we read in verse 13 that God promised to Abraham that he would be the heir of the whole world, This is astounding beyond all measure. By the way, it gives you and me hope as well. Because remember what Abraham was. Abraham was just like you and I. He was a sinner. Joshua records in chapter 24, verse 2, in his farewell address, that Abraham came from a family of idolaters. So Abraham didn't have anything in himself to commend God to make such an illustrious promise to him. It was all of God's goodness and mercy. So we ought to take encouragement that we are dealing here with a merciful God who gives promises to sinners so that we might have hope and good hope of everlasting life and peace with him. Now, what is this promise of the world, because we don't read this anywhere, especially as it is stated in Genesis. Well, it's not just the land of Canaan. 
It's not just a veiled way of referring to the land of promise because Canaan itself was actually a type of what God was going to do in the whole world. There is a hint there in verse 13. It says, For the promise that he should be the heir of the world was not to Abraham or his seed through the law. In other words, the seed is the same as it is in Galatians. It is singular. And undoubtedly here we are to understand the kingdom of Christ to be this world that Abraham is promised. What are we to understand what we are to understand is that when God promised Abraham the world, he was promising him life and salvation through Jesus Christ. He was promising him a worldwide kingdom, the kingdom of the Lord Jesus Christ, a universal religion. The nations discipled to the Lord Jesus and subdued to this seed. This is what Abraham understood. This is why he looked with joy to Christ's day. John chapter 8 verse 26 says, Abraham rejoiced to see my day, says the Lord Jesus. This is an incredible promise that Abraham should be the heir of the entire world. And notice inheritance there in verse 13, that he should be the heir of the world. Heir means someone who possesses the inheritance by legal right. This indicates that it was not just a whim on God's part. Hey, here's some great new stuff I've got for you. I may give it to you. I may not. No, God said, Abraham, I'm making you my heir. And there are legalities that are attached to this. Think about it. Everything that is involved in this. God says, Abraham, I'm adopting you into my family. I am calling you by my name. And I'm giving you a legal title to heaven and earth. This promise here should fill us with wonder that God would make this promise to Abraham and to his seed, which is Jesus Christ, and through them to us, because they are our promises too. Look, for example, in 1 Corinthians 3, verses 21 through 23. The New Testament never tires of bringing out this great fact that everything belongs to us just like it did to Abraham, because we are Abraham's seed through faith in Christ. And 1 Corinthians 3.21 says, Therefore let no man glory in men, for all things are yours, whether Paul or Apollos or Cephas or the world or life or death or things present or things to come. All are yours, and you are Christ's, and Christ is God's. Turn with me now to Romans chapter 8, verse 16. And notice Paul builds on this idea of being an heir. Verse 16 of Romans chapter 8. The Spirit itself beareth witness with our spirit that we are children of God. And if children, then heirs, heirs of God, and joint heirs with Christ, if so be that we suffer with him, that we may be that we may be also glorified together. Now you need to make sure you understand this. The seed of Abraham is Jesus Christ. 
So all of God's promises that he made to Abraham, he made them to Christ, the coming seed. Now, what did those promises consist of? Everything. This life, the life to come, free forgiveness of sins, resurrection of the body, everything. Now, Paul says there in Romans 8, we are made joint heirs with Christ. Now, think about it. What God promised Abraham is ours through faith in the Lord Jesus Christ. So every time we read in Scripture, and it is said in several places, that we are made heirs of God and joint heir was Christ, what should you and I do? Well, like Abraham, we should forsake the world. Like Abraham, we should trust God's power and faithfulness to fill what he has promised regardless. And this is important. Regardless of what we see with our eyes. For as we shall see in a moment, some of God's promises seem to be too incredible to believe. But we should trust God's power and God's faithfulness. And we should rejoice in Jesus Christ. Why? Because he is the heir, but he is also the guarantor of those promises as he sealed them with his own blood. If I have to go and get something notarized, I've got to find someone, of course, who is a notary, who has their little stamp and some pixie dust and their seal and everything that's got to be make this official. Then, whatever it is I'm getting notarized counts for something. I don't understand all that, but at least it's supposed to be a witness who says that this is true, whatever is written there. Now, you have to understand that the reason that God's promises count for something is because they are sealed with the Lord Jesus Christ and his blood. And they count for something to us. Not simply because we believe them. You see, a lot of times today, the salvation messages we hear in the church are all about my faith and what I bring to the table. But that's not the critical thing. The important thing is that these promises were signed and sealed with the blood of the Lord Jesus Christ. Therefore, like Abraham, we are entitled to consider ourselves heirs of the world. That's why our Savior said, the meek shall inherit the earth. Jesus purchased the promise with his own blood. But notice there in verse 13 of Romans 4, the promise is not through the law. In other words, Paul wants to make it clear that if we are going to receive this promise for God of the world, of righteousness, of everything that Jesus Christ has purchased for us, we have got to turn away from any thoughts of our own obedience for justification. In fact, verse 13 makes this point twice and very vividly. First of all, in Greek, the sentence begins with not through law. Paul wants to make this point very clear right up front. These incredible promises that God has given us, it is not anything that we can earn by our obedience or our tears or our efforts. God gives it to us by His grace. And secondly, 
He emphasized this by not adding, as our English Bibles say, not through the law, but in Greek there is no definite article. It, just, it is just through law of any kind, as if to say, it's not just the Ten Commandments I'm referring to. Any of God's commandments anywhere in the Bible, none of them come into consideration when it comes to justifying righteousness before God. It is only by the promises of God's grace and goodness to us through the righteousness of faith. So notice there, in the last phrase of verse 13, we receive the promise only by believing the promises of God. We must cast ourselves today upon His promise of mercy. So don't think if I listen to the sermon really well that that will count for something. Well, not for justifying righteousness. But, but don't you think that if I really cry a lot and I'm really convinced over my sins, that will count for something to give me part of God's promises? Of course not. <coughs> It is when we look away from ourselves, not my works, not my tears, not my efforts, and look to what God has promised to us in the Lord Jesus Christ. And notice he strengthens this in verse 14 when he says, For if those who are of the law be heirs, faith is made void. It is nullified. Here in verse 14, those who are of the law means those primarily Jews, but it could include the Gentiles as well. Those who seek to become an heir of God by law-keeping. Paul says, if you choose that path, faith is void. You've just nullified it. And moreover, the promise is made of no effect. Now think about this. That means at the moment we start trying, and say, well, God has made all of these promises to us, so I really want to obey Him. I really want to keep all of these promises. But if we're talking about justification and being made right with God, and all of the covenant of grace that Jesus has secured for us with His own blood and righteousness, our works don't enter into this at all. It is what Christ has done alone it is what God has promised to us by His grace. And it is the believing of the promises of God. In fact, notice verse 15. Because the law works wrath. If we try to go back to the law for righteousness, that just brings us right back under the wrath and curse of God. Now he adds there in verse 15, where no law is, there is no transgression as if to make the point in the other direction. But understand, we are under the law as a way of living. God's law is eternal and fixed in the heavens. And there is always going to be sin in this world because law is the environment, God's law is the environment of our lives. So if we look to that law to be made righteous before God, like the Jews did, like sometimes we're tempted to, perhaps, then we bring ourselves back under God's wrath and curse, and there's nothing there for us. Now let's stop for just a moment. I want to be clear on two things. One, Paul at this point is not talking about sanctification. 
He's not talking about the importance of obeying God's word. Remember, God's law as a pattern of life, as a pattern of obedience to God, the way we are as Christians are to live is absolutely something we are to follow. That's not what he's talking about at this point. So we can't run away from this and say, oh, well, whenever we look to the law, we make faith void. Therefore, as Christians, we never have to worry about the law. Well, let's be big girls and boys here. God can talk about more than one thing and more than one aspect of our salvation, and we should not get lost in it. Here he is talking about the basis of our salvation, which is very important. Because obviously, if we are not made right with God, you and I are going to hell. So when it comes to this justifying righteousness, God declaring sinners righteous, being right with him, all of his claims satisfied against you and I, you then possess an obedience that will stand before his holiness, and it is Christ alone who has done all of this, not us. Our works don't enter into any of this at all. Not our tears, not our prayers, nothing. God does this. It is His power. And as we saw earlier, why? Well, Paul returns to it here in verse 16. Therefore, it is of faith that it might be of grace. That is such a sweet phrase. Listen to it again. Therefore, it is of faith that it might be by grace. All right, let's just make this as personal as we can today. When we get on our knees before Almighty God, and we plead for mercy and forgiveness, and we laid hold of God's promise that He has said through Jesus and His blood, and He forgives our sins, what are we actually confessing? Do we confess, for example, Lord, I really deserve to be forgiven, you know? Has anyone really ever prayed that? Well, if you have, then God did not forgive you. I really felt deeply, deeply, deeply sorrowful for my sins. And on the, fa- and on the basis of that, please forgive me, Lord. No. You see, when we confess our sinfulness and our vileness before the Lord, and we come to His Word and plead His promises, you know what we are confessing? We are confessing that our only hope is that a holy God will show us undeserved kindness. Undeserved kindness. We don't deserve for Him to forgive our sins. We never have and we never will. We will never be able to in any way mount up to worthiness before God. It is all of His undeserved kindness to sinners like us. And think about it. It could not be any other way. We are criminals against God's majesty. And this is why the church is caught up in six flags over Jesus today. Because we are no longer held in the grip of God's holiness. We are criminals against God's majesty. It's not just, well, we, you know, we live in an urban area and there are just a lot of pressures and psychosis. So we need three or four or maybe five things that will make us feel better. No, criminals for God don't simply need to feel better. 
Criminals before God need a sense that their hope is in the undeserved grace and kindness of God through Jesus Christ because that does several things to us. When you realize I was forgiven today, but only because of the undeserved kindness of God, it humbles us. It wasn't because I was going to church. It wasn't because I'm a Presbyterian. It wasn't because I had done it before and therefore God likes a nice habit. It wasn't any of these things. It was His undeserved kindness that keeps us humble, that keeps us before the cross, that keeps us adoring Jesus Christ, that keeps us sensitive not to run back to the world because God has been merciful upon us through the Lord Jesus Christ. And he has been, oh, so gracious to us. So Paul here says very, very clearly in the beginning of verse 16, it was always by faith so that it might be by grace. There was a divine intention that God never wanted us to forget. He has saved us by his grace alone. And for another purpose as well in verse 16, to the end that the promises might be sure to all of the seed. Now the Jews might step back and say, well, we like Abraham were circumcised and later we were given the law. But Paul says here that the reason God gave these promises to Abraham and, and that he showed Abraham that he was, the, was righteous and righteousness was received by faith, not by obedience to God's law, was so that all the seed might partake of the promises that God made to Abraham. Not only to those who are of the law, and I think that is basically referring to the Jews, but also to those who are of the faith of Abraham, who is the father of us all. In other words, God always had in mind that these, this thing is not limited to the Jews. It includes the Gentiles as well because Abraham, as God promised him in Genesis 12.3, would be the father of many nations. Now verse 17. These promises would certainly have dazzled Abraham as it would dazzle us, I'm sure, if we were given this promise directly as Abraham was. I mean, think about it. What has he been doing for 30 years? He'd been wandering from oasis to oasis. He tried the thing with Hagar, remember? And that blew up in his face. Now he has a steward, Eleazar, and he, he doesn't know what's going to happen next. Abraham is about 100 years of age, and Sarah is about 90. So how is God going to fulfill these promises to me? Is he really going to bring a seed to me? The world is actually my inheritance I know when I started the trip here all of those years ago, God said, I'm giving, going to give to you all of the land that you can see. And then he took him outside one night and said, Abraham, look up at the stars. And if you can count them, that is how many your descendants are going to be. Well, thus far, 30 years later, Abraham has zero. So, he says, I've got a long way to go to catch up if I'm going to get as many as the stars of the sky. And beyond that, a little bit of ground. Well, at this point, he doesn't own any of it. 
In fact, he owned nothing. So notice here in verse 17, what did Abraham do? Faith laid hold of God's promise. Faith laid hold of the unseen. Here is God talking to Abraham. And Abraham says to himself, in effect, God has spoken, and that is enough for me. And Abraham bowed in faith before God, who quickens the dead. Abraham says, I don't know how God is going to do this. I don't know how God is going to bring innumerable progeny out of me, an old man and a wife who is old and barren. I have no idea. But He is the God of omnipotence. He is the God who brings the dead to life. So I am going to trust in Him. Well, that's all the time we have. This has been Abounding Grace with Pastor Gary Wagner, the ministry of Reformed Heritage Church in San Jose. It is our goal and desire that you would abound in grace through the preaching and teaching of God's Word. And that is why we come to you on a daily basis. Now, as we close out our time together, we also realize that some of these messages that are presented here on Abounding Grace are well worth reviewing again at your convenience. Maybe you joined us a bit late. Well, we have copies on CD. They're just $5. Mention today's date as you call or write to us. Here's how to get in touch with us. The phone number is 408-866-5607. That's 408-866-5607. You're welcome to also visit our website, learn a bit more about us. We're at reformedheritage.org. Again, reformedheritage.org. And then, of course, if you would love to partner with us, if you're feeling led of the Lord to become a financial partner with us as we continue this ministry here on this station, please write to us at PMB number 402. And the address is 1484 Pollard Road, Los Gatos, California, The zip code is 95032. Or, again, simply call us, 408-866-5607. That's 408-866-5607. You're also welcome to join us for worship. Sunday services here at Reformed Heritage Church are at 5055 Lone Hill Road in Los Gatos. We meet at the Lone Hill Church, 2 in the afternoon. Directions can be found at reformedheritage.org or by, again, calling 408 Eight six six five six zero seven. We thank you for joining us and trust we'll see you again next time we get together for another broadcast of Abounding Grace with Pastor Gary Wagner. Three-star general Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal records to the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.